left fielders. This is the Infielder Spotlight Podcast, powered by Left Field Investors. Our community is focused on networking and education to help people invest passively and think differently. Let's go. Welcome to the Infielder Spotlight episode, where one of our infielders shared their story with host Chad Ackerman. Listen in to gain insights from our community on how to create financial freedom through passively investing in real assets that generate real cash flow. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Infielder Spotlight. I'm your host, Chad Ackerman, and with me today is infielder Brian Liddy. Brian, welcome to the show. Appreciate you coming on. Hi, Chad. Thanks for having me. Good to be here. So you've heard some of these now. You kind of get a feel for what we jump into, but we think there's some value in the stories that people have to tell, and we wanted to hear some more of our communities and thank them for being a part of us. So thank you for that. Anxious just to kind of hear the story you've been through, the journey you've gone through, if you don't mind running through that with us. Yeah, absolutely. Interesting. I was raised about as right field as one could possibly get. (laughs) From an early age, I was taught the only way to retire, quote unquote, rich was to invest in stocks. And I even had a great aunt who was a stockbroker at Smith Barney. And I remember like her mantra was invest in stocks with good dividends, hold them forever and retire rich, right? So I tried to educate myself as much as possible as far as all the different valuation metrics and asset allocation models and stuff. And after about 20 years or so and seeing my portfolios dip in value uh, over 50% on three or so occasions, I knew there had to be a better way. So fast forward to 2018, I was on a long vacation in Asia and I had the epiphany that I wanted to retire early like 50-ish. So I took a look at my portfolio and it was probably 90% stocks at that point. And take a wild guess what the cash on cash return was at that point. Pretty low, I'm guessing. (laughs) It was about 1%. (laughs) And I was like, there is no way I'm ever going to be able to retire with this 1% yielding portfolio. So I started looking at other ways to generate passive income. The first thing I did was what any stock investor would do. I found higher yielding dividend stocks, and that was a disaster. (laughs) Second thing I did was I found a friend who was opening up a wine bar. So I figured, oh, great. I'll invest with my buddy who's opening up a wine bar. Disaster. (laughs) So finally... (laughs) You're learning. Yeah. It's after a couple of really big losses. I found real estate investing and I started to educate myself in that and went to some courses, read a lot of books, and I decided that I was going to build my own little multifamily empire. I had my business plan together. I decided which markets I was going in and I was just going to nail that thing. And then I took a step back and I remembered my own experiences being a landlord. And I was not a very good landlord. I was an even worse property manager. So figured there had to be a better way. And about this time is when I discovered that there were people doing this through syndications and they did it well. They were doing exactly what I wanted to do, but they actually had a team to do it. They had the skills to do it. And they were probably making 90 to 100% of what I would make if I did it on my own and probably one one thousandth of the headache. So I thought, this is a no-brainer. This is how I got to do it. So over the past four years, I've willed down my stock portfolio to no stocks. Now in about 30 syndications, overwhelming majorities, multifamily, 
couple self storage in there, a couple mobile home parks, some random things like life insurance settlements, ATMs. I just invested in a Bitcoin mining fund, which to be honest, scares the crap out of me, but do want a small little bit of exposure there. As a result, I have not replaced my W-2 income, but I have replaced about half of it. And over the past six months, I have cut back to half time and I am loving it. It's awesome. Hello, left fielders. This is Jim Pfeiffer, one of the founders of Left Field Investors. Honestly, I can't believe how far we've come from our initial start with 12 members. We've grown and learned a lot. None of this would be possible without our amazing community members and partners. I want to personally thank you for being part of the Left Field community. I'm constantly amazed by the quality of people that join our group and their willingness to give back to the community and share their knowledge. From the most experienced investor to those who are brand new, we all learn from each other. That is the power of community. Thank you for supporting Left Field Investors. That's fantastic. Yeah, that's a lot of people's goals, I think, is to get to that point. At least have that flexibility, be able to make those decisions. So what was your first passive investing deal you got into? Well, aside from the wine bar. But aside from the wine bar, yeah. <laughs> it was a multifamily A class in San Diego and still have it. it. Hasn't gone full cycle yet, but it's cash flowing. It's appreciated. It seems to be doing well. It's more of like a rather than a three to five year hold, it's more like a 10 year hold. So it's just kind of sitting there, still got it, letting it roll. Letting it roll. Good. I'm glad it's working for you. So you went through this journey, you trying to find your way through all this. What were some of the resources that helped you out kind of getting you into a point to get into the passive investing side of things? Well, when I first started out, there weren't a lot of people doing this. So I was trying to do it all on my own. The hard thing about it was, so if you're investing in a stock, you want to buy Apple, you just log on to your E-Trade account and you select how many shares of Apple you want, you click a button and you're done. But you can't do that. <laughs> you can't do that with syndication investing. And I think that's the cool thing about it. It's a team sport. So I was doing it on my own for a while. And then gradually, I started to find some communities with mentors and guidance. So I think that's key. You really have to get out there and start talking to people, networking. You can't do it alone. So I will say of the communities that I've become a part of, I really do like left field investors. I think it's fantastic and I find it very, very useful. I think it's great because there's a lot of experienced investors in there. And at the same time, there's a lot of new syndication investors in there. And so there's no dumb questions, so to speak. You can ask anything <laughs> and learn a lot that way. So some of the other groups I I was just to say, some of the other groups I've become a part of, it's mostly professional investors and really big whales. And you feel like you can't ask that quote unquote dumb question, but left field investors, it's such a welcoming group. I really like it. I agree. I think the community is really developed with what we'd hoped it would develop as of no question is unfair to ask kind of thing. We think that diversity that we have in the community helps because we think veteran investors are afraid to ask some of the questions that feel simple to them that the newbie will ask, but then we all get to learn from the answers from it. That's one of the perks is having that dichotomy of background to really 
help people out with whatever their questions are. So I think that's great. Absolutely. I've learned a ton. And still learning, right? That's part of the goals is learn more every day kind of thing. So a lot of background, a lot of different things you've gone through. What are some lessons learned or advice that you might have for people that you've picked up from your experiences of what to do, what not to do, or whatever the case may be? What do you think is something you could share? Number one, don't ever invest in a wine bar, ever. (laughs) Kidding aside, I think along those lines, something that I learned along the way is for every investment you make, you need to know how it's going to fit in your portfolio. When I first started doing this, I had what they call the shiny object syndrome. And I just invested in anything that came along with a good promised return and a nice, glossy, slick marketing material. And so many of these guys are great marketers and everything looks great. But I had this kind of weird stew of various stuff that didn't really have any place in the portfolio. So I think rather than just invest in anything that looks good, take a step back and ask yourself, okay, so what is the purpose of this in my portfolio? If you are 10 to 15 years off from retirement, do you really want the cash flow play that doesn't have any appreciation potential? Likewise, if you are planning to retire in two years, do you really want that development deal that's not going to pay anything for five to 10 years? So really take a step back and take a look at what things are and the role they will play in your portfolio. Another thing that helped me along the way when I was first starting to do this, and I don't remember who the sage individual was who told me this, but it might have been Jeremy Roll. I don't know. He basically said, when you're starting to do this, figure out what you want your end goal to be and then work backwards. It's like, huh. So, okay, well, I want to retire in five years. Okay. So let's suppose in five years, my expenses are going to be $100,000, right? So what am I going to need to get that $100,000 a year? Well, if I had a $2 million portfolio at that time, those investments are going to need to cash flow around 5%. If I have a $1 million portfolio, it's going to need to cash flow around 10%. So I don't know about you, but I feel much more comfortable in today's market getting 5% than I do 10%. So working backwards, you figure out, okay, well, what do I need to do to get that portfolio up to that $2 million mark in five years? So is it more of a value-add plays? Can you be more conservative? And that kind of dictates the course that you take with your portfolio. I think the more time we spend on our goals up front and can focus our investing and our attention and so forth, the better. I was definitely subject to jumping at the shiny object when I started. I told the story on the podcast before. It had nothing to do with what my goals were, but it will be a good investment, but it's not really aligned with what I was trying to do. I think it's fantastic advice. The more you can understand where you're headed, otherwise you're just running in the dark and that's not fun for anybody to do. So I think it's a great tip. Right. And as you're doing this longer, you get to know the sponsors a little better. You kind of get your cores of sponsors and you know what they're about. This team is really good at value-add appreciation. This team is good at good, stable cash flow, not much on the appreciation. And just working and working with the different teams and getting to know them, that helps you a lot. I think that's fair. It's nice to have those go-to of this guy kills it on cash flow. This guy kills it on appreciation. If you can really develop those know, like, and trust friendships with them, you can really steer your portfolio where you want to go pretty easily then, hopefully. There's risk in everything, but that's good. Uh, So with all this in mind, and you're cutting back on the W-2 now, you've got your portfolio built out. 
you're kind of in the middle of it now. You're not at the beginning anymore. What's next steps? Where do you head from here? Well, from here, just kind of keep doing what I'm doing. <laughs> like I said before, my equity positions right now are zero. I don't own any stocks. It's all in mostly multifamily because with stocks, it's almost like gambling. With this, it's math. You run the numbers. If it makes sense, there's safety in math. So what's next? As Jim says, it's good to find sponsors you know, like, and trust. And that's it. You got to kiss a lot of frogs before you find princess. And I'm out there kissing frogs, even though I have four or five syndicators that I tend to be a repeat customer for. I'm still interviewing one to two a month, just getting to know them, know what they're all about. You never know when that next prince will be out there. (laughs) So interviewing sponsors and yeah, going from there. I think that's smart. I feel my fear is I'll take my time finding my portfolio of syndicate or sponsors I want to deal with, and then I'll go in with them, and then they'll decide they don't want to do it anymore. They're like, oh, I gotta, you got to keep that pipeline full of people that you're getting comfortable with, I think, too, just in case. Yeah, exactly. There's one I'm with, and they've been killing it for so long. I'm really worried one day they're just going to be like, that's enough. <laughs> We're done. We did I've made we my money. I'm good. Yeah. So, and it's fun too, getting out there and talking to people, learning what makes people tick and what people like to do in their businesses. And it's a lot of fun. I'll ask you one more question before we wrap up, but how about asset class? You're heavy in apartments. You said multifamily, you'll continue that trend or is there something you're looking at that is intriguing that you're going to dabble in? What's your thoughts around asset class? Yeah, I would say right now, I don't know the exact number, but I think I'm probably 65% multifamily. And then the rest of it's a smattering of other things for the self-storage, mobile home parks and whatnot. I think multifamily has a long run ahead of it. Just if you look at the demographics and the shortage of good workforce housing in this country, and that's not going to go away overnight and people need a place to live. So multifamily, I think, has a long way to go. I think the days of 20 plus IRRs are behind us, but I still think as far as safety from a risk standpoint, multifamily is a great place to be. And that's going to continue to be the bulk of my portfolio. I think it'll always be a bulk of my portfolio probably too. I think we all understand it the best. I feel like you could find that forced appreciation in it easier too, that it just, there's too many pros related to it, it seems like. Because to your point, we all need a place to live. So we're not going to dry up in that business too much, I wouldn't think, at some point in time. Right. The other thing, too, is most of us have probably owned a house at some point. So we kind of inherently know how to make a house worth more or how to make an apartment worth more. Some of my other investments like self-storage and mobile home parks and whatnot, I try to understand how they generate value in these. And I've heard it over and over and over again, but it still just doesn't make as much sense to me as multifamily does. <laughs> yeah. New appliances, new countertops, exactly. fresh <laughs> Exactly. Right. Yeah. I get it. I'm with you on that. Hey, Brian, this was great. I really appreciate you coming on and sharing your story with us today. It was really interesting to learn more about you and your background. So thank you for coming on. Yeah. And thanks for having me. It was fun. Absolutely. This is great. Hopefully the community enjoyed it and we will see everybody next time in the spotlight. Hi, I'm Matt Piccini, here to help you learn to produce passive income, write your own story, and direct your dollars toward positive change. My book, Backstage Guide to Real Estate, 
We'll take you through the highlights and the lowlights of my adventures in real estate, starting as a rank amateur just leaving the acting world, all the way to where I am now, an owner of thousands of apartment units across the country. This book is my story in passive real estate investment. Yours will be different, reflecting your priorities, goals, and sense of purpose, but I'm hoping that our stories will share one thing, the belief that passive investment is the road to financial freedom. And that you can use that freedom to improve your own life and the life of your family and leave your community, your country, and even the world a little better than you found it. Are you ready? <laughs> Good. Then go to Pacheni.com to get more info on the book. Thanks for hanging out in the infield with us today. If you're interested in becoming an infielder, you can find us at leftfieldinvestors.com or you can send me an email directly at chad at leftfieldinvestors.com. Thank you for listening to the Passive Investing from Left Field podcast. If you enjoy the show, please go to Apple Podcast or wherever you listen to podcasts and rate and review the show. This show is for entertainment purposes only. Nothing said on the show should be considered financial advice. Before making any decisions, consult a professional. This show is copyrighted by Passive Investing from Left Field and Left Field Investors. Written permissions must be granted before syndication or rebroadcasting.